Welcome to Harvest Time. We're glad you're here today. Looking forward to uh, letting you know about a very full weekend as uh, there's a few that came off a very busy week between the start of Lent, Valentine's Day, the first day of Chinese New Year, and we're glad that you can celebrate this weekend with us. I did want to remind you that as this broadcast is aired on Friday night for you men, we do have the Saturday morning prayer breakfast at 8 o'clock. And those of you that are listening to this at another time, uh, you've missed it. But we do and are trying to provide many different venues that you can participate in. I'm thankful for the Bible studies for the men, the Bible studies for the ladies, uh, the adult Bible fellowships. And you say, well, Pastor, when are those? I'm glad you asked. This Sunday, 9.30. If you've never been here, come to the kiosk out in front of the church building, Harvest Baptist Church building. We've got friendly people there that will be able to point you in the right direction. You say, well, I've got children. Great. Drop the children off at the nursery, the children's program, teen ministry, all of this available at 9.30. We have a wide variety of Bible classes available, including in the auditorium. If you have nowhere else to go, take advantage of that one. We're talking about Bible counseling and how do you help a person with their problem in light of God's Word. I believe it'll be of a help to you. And then at 1030, we do start our worship service. It's conservative, fresh music available at 1030. And we take time to open up the Bible. And this Sunday, we are at the ongoing series of stewardship as we've been looking at the stewarding, the managing. How do we manage our resources and our time and and as we looked at Joseph and temptations and trials and last week and how we steward our love that God has given to us. And this Sunday, we are going to be taking um, a look at family matters because uh, family matters are important for each one of us. You say, well, Pastor, I'm not married. Hey, you are part of a family. And if you're a child of God, you're, you're a member of the child of God's family, the family of God. I hope you'll make it. I think it'd be encouraging as we look at the book of Psalms that unfolds for us of simple stages of life and wherever you are from the building years to the blessed years and everything in between, I believe it'll be of a help to you because the, the last thing you want to find of your life is being vain, being useless. And without the Lord, our life is incomplete and irrelevant. God wants to give us a purpose. I hope you'll find that here at Harvest Baptist Church on Sunday. I do believe that God's children should be the greatest and attractive people on the planet. And uh, why not be a part of that And uh, by helping yourself and your family uh, this Sunday at Harvest. And then Sunday night at 6 o'clock, our family Bible hour, Pastor Brian will be talking about um, an important role in the church uh, this Sunday, and we'll also take some time around the Lord's table. The Bible calls that communion, fellowship, and uh, it's about an hour, sometimes a few minutes longer, but it'll be well worth it with your family together. What a great time of year uh, and a great time of, of uh, life that we have here on Guam. What a wonderful island, a wonderful place. I hope that we at Harvest can be of a help to you. If you have any questions, don't hesitate to contact us. I'll have Chris Harper after the broadcast let you know how to do so. 
Today's broadcast, we've taken a small part of a message that I preached a week ago at Harvest Baptist Bible College on the fear of God. What in the world is the fear of God? We focus much on uh, the love of God that draws people and the truth of God that that uh, changes people, but the fear of God is what helps us live a fruitful life, one full of faith and one that is full of purpose. I hope you'll take a listen today. There's a guy named Oswald Chambers who was a prolific artist. If you Google him, they'll show some of his artwork, and he also had a real mind for theology. And he taught for about 10 years at a college, and then, um, and then he, he uh, started pastoring. Then he started a little Bible college in London, uh, rented a large estate, three-story Victorian home, and, and uh, started a little Bible college. I think they had about 30 students. And he did that for three or four years, and... Um, he wrote down a, a lot of, of uh, reasons why they did what they did. He emphasized major themes like the heart and having a heart for God. And he emphasized the need for discipline with these students that lived together in this big home and his wife, Biddy, who cooked and didn't have any children. And he did the primary teaching. They emphasized the area of, of having a spirit of excellence and developing your character, making right choices, being missions-minded. One other emphasis that stuck out above and would summarize everything else I just said. And then the war started, World War II, and he told his wife, I feel like we need to do more for the war efforts, and I'm a pastor and a teacher. And so he he um, uh, volunteered to become a chaplain for Britain. And they accepted him, and they assigned him to Egypt. At the time, Egypt was a real hotbed of activity. And so when he got there, they had services on Friday nights. Uh, the YMCA, the Young Men's Christian Association, was very popular. And so... He started, and they had like 50 people. And there were a lot of battles that were going on, and they'd bring these men in to this camp, this British camp, hot, sandy. Um, the tents were made of canvas, and his wife was there, and they had a baby there, and, um, and served there for two years. Well, over that two-year period, he started teaching some of these same things that he was doing in Bible college, but to these soldiers. Well, these were men that would often go out on sorties and work and, and fight, then come back. Some of them wouldn't come back. And he was such an effective teacher that he went from, five, uh, from 50 to, to 500, and eventually thousands. They were packing out this YMCA tent every night. <clears throat> And you can summarize all of this teaching uh, with this one topic I want to talk about today. And, of course, Oswald Chambers was the one that, later in me reading some of these things, we were at a Bible college in Oregon, or excuse me, in, uh, 
Wisconsin for almost 19 years, and, and um, maybe by osmosis I find myself emphasizing these same themes that, that you're hearing here. Because when I read Oswald Chambers' work that, that I realized, man, these are the same things we're saying. He's saying them even better. I've, I got copies of the, that material and, and sent it to, uh, at that time, uh, before I came out here, most of the Bible colleges in the States. Like, th this, is, this is right. And Oswald Chambers had really given of his life in major ways. The theme that you find that would uh, overset everything that he had said, and most likely would be a mega theme that you could put things you hear this chapel under this one theme you find in Ecclesiastes chapter 12. Turn there if you would, because I want to unpack this just a bit. Ecclesiastes chapter 12. I think he says some things that I referred to last week because I spoke out of Ecclesiastes and left you with uh, the wisest foolish man in Solomon who wrote this. Do you remember me talking about Solomon, that he was young, he wrote the book of Song of Solomon about uh, uh, being romantic. And, and then to middle age, he wrote not all the Proverbs, but book of Proverbs, but a lot of those Proverbs, and talked about regulations for living. And then in his old age, he's looking back on life, and he talks about wisdom, and wisdom is mentioned more than any other topic, and that's when he wasn't thinking about uh, being romantic or regulations of life, but he really was living with some regrets. And so like an old man who he says in the book that uh, uh, old age should be teaching you things. Look at Ecclesiastes chapter 12 and this particular book that uh, five times a year, uh, they would read this three times in Jerusalem. In Ecclesiastes chapter 12, he, he states about these words of truth, um, in, starting in verse 9, and moreover, because the preacher was wise, talking about himself, he still taught the people knowledge, and he gave good heed, and he sought out, and he set in order many proverbs. And the preacher sought to find out acceptable words, and that which was written was upright, even words of truth. And he says, this is what these words of truth will do. These words of truth, and he uses these pictures of words of truth, they're like, like goads. These wise words of the wise are as goads, as nails fastened by the masters of assemblies, which are given from one shepherd. In other words, he's saying these are shepherd's tools are in view, and they they motivate reluctant animals like a word of truth, like a goad was a big stick and they'd put a sharp point on the end so if the animal would not move that cow or that donkey, they'd stick this sharp stick in a, in a very tender spot of that animal and he'd be real burdened to keep moving forward. And he would say these words of truth would be like nails that would fasten down the masters of assemblies. This would be the Tools not only motivate animals, but they would also be nails that would apply wisdom and they would, would make wisdom stick to a he, the, the mind of this person. And they're given from one shepherd, which is allusions to Christ being the shepherd. He says, and further, 
by these, my son, be admonished of making many books. There's no end, and much study is weariness to the flesh. And all God's children said, haven't you got there yet where much study is weariness to the flesh? Man, I did. At least three times each semester, I would quote this verse, and, and much study is weariness of the flesh. Those books um, that were uh, very available. And really, his point was that other the subject than God's revealed wisdom, they're only going to make you feel useless of man's thinking. And so he says, here's the conclusion of the whole matter. Oswald Chambers, mega theme of thousands of these soldiers listening. Here it is, fear God. Keep his commandments. This is the whole duty of man. And his final word on the issues uh, throughout the whole book and the whole life itself, they focus on one relationship, and that's to God. So while you're here, this is the emphasis, because if you miss this, then when you have problems in life, you're going to miss the point, who is God? You know, uh, last week on the day that I had chapel, I, I, uh, my wife had had eye surgery last Wednesday, and, in, and yesterday uh, she had the other eye done. And they basically uh, open up your eye, dilate your eye, and they take a lens and, and, and take this little incision and take this small little lens, and they put it inside your eye, so now you're looking out a brand new lens. It, it's an amazing procedure. And what used to be like major surgery is like an in-and-out process. And so that's what she had done. Her, her view of life now is clearer. Already within one day of yesterday, her one eye, already she sees clear. He said, you could pass the visual test to get your license. And her other eye now that's seven days healed, uh, her glasses that cost way too much money are useless to her because now the glasses that made her eyes very clear and her vision, now she puts them on and it's all foggy. It's all blurry. It's amazing. And in essence, what we're trying to say to you is we're trying to put a new spiritual lens in your spiritual eye and to help you see things clearer. And sometimes that's a painful process because you see things certain ways by virtue of your background, your parents, you bringing up and, and people telling you, well, this is how you should see life and this is how you should look at it. And hey, drink this, do that, smoke that, and it's all okay and you're normal because you're like everybody else. And now all of a sudden you're coming here and you've met Christ and, and the, the Bible becomes that wisdom lens that now I'm looking at life going, um, I'm looking at things much clearer. He says it, here's the conclusion of the whole matter. Let me get the lens and get you the right wisdom lens. Let me give you and give you the source in which if you would solve this, everything else would fit into line. And that is, you fear God. He also says, you keep his commandments, because that's the whole duty of man. 
and he summarizes that at, at, at all the concerns for life under the sun and its pleasures and certainties, he says, this is the fear of God. Now, if you were to summarize that fear of God, let me just take an acrostic of fear. And in the last couple of minutes, let me give you the four major themes. When we're talking about the fear of God, the idea of the fear of God, somebody has stated as, um, well, the term fear as your raw, it's the idea of an awe. It's a reverence for theos God. And a good, simple definition, and, and really a description of it, this is the fear, listen to me, as one person said, like a little child who swept up into a loving father's arms just before being swept off their feet out to sea. That's the difference. We're not talking about an unhealthy look at a God that often we view Father God as our Father, and many people, I find, view their Father in distorted images, and so they end up looking at God in a very distorted way. And this book gives us pictures of the God of heaven that is the lovingly heavenly Father, that that child who swept up into his loving father's arms just before being swept off their feet and out to sea. So when you talk about the idea of fear, this is the term of having an awe, a reverence for God who's sweeping you up out of those problems so you're not stuck at the bottom of the hill with your car stuck in a ditch and you're not going anywhere. One person said, Fear of God is a conscious awareness, a conscious awareness of the presence of God. The fear of God is a conscious awareness of the presence of God. So when you, Solomon says, I'm summarizing all of this is when you have a conscious awareness of the presence of God, no matter where you go, that God is with you as a child of God, the New Testament, the Spirit of God, who's now just not on you in the Old Testament, but He's in you. That no matter where you go, the Spirit of God is with you and in you, and having that conscious awareness then it allows you the understanding that he will give you the wisdom needed. He, he will give you the understanding that when I have to make a right decision, I'm going to make a right decision in the context of God's fear. Ecclesiastes 3.14. That God does it. Men should fear before him. Ecclesiastes 5.7. In the multitude of dreams, many words, there are diverse vanities, but fear thou God. Ecclesiastes 8.12, a sinner does evil a hundred times, his days are prolonged. Surely I know that it should be well with them that fear God, which fear before him. And the last reference to fear out of those four times is Ecclesiastes 12.13. This is the whole duty of man. Fear God. How do you end it properly? 
fearing God. Four thoughts and I'll be done. Number one is, it does take faith. It does take faith. Because a fear, a healthy fear, will mean a faith in his existence. Hebrews 12, 6. Secondly, you have to experience, I put down in my own notes, you have to experience his presence. It does mean that I know that you care about my experiences and what I'm not doing, because what I'm not doing is going to help me in an awareness of who you are and giving that experience of your presence and also your grace. James 4, 6, God resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. And so the mega theme of fear, to understand that I have to have that faith and that I will experience that grace as I humble myself. And it does mean the very term, an awe, an awe of his work. And lastly, letter R, I put the idea of faith, experience, awe, and then um, a resolve, a resolve to obey. Because if I know that Heavenly Father, the sweeping me up into his arms, an awareness that he himself is fully um, understanding. I didn't put Psalms 46.10, by the way. But this would reaffirm the idea of an awe, a conscious awareness of the presence of God, and that resolve to obey, you find in this same text, keep his commandments. You say, Pastor, why do they keep talking about obeying, obeying, obeying? Because as the level of your obedience to your room leader or your GA or, or, or the General Mills in that same level is what you're going to reap someday when you're a dad, when you're a husband, when you're a teacher at that school, when you're a preacher, and you're going to wonder why people don't listen to you and they don't obey you. And you're going to look back and with some of you with regret. Oh, why didn't I just, now I see it. Now I know why they were saying these things. And so in faith, believe that. Because when it's all said and done, you have no idea, nor I, how it will all end. Nor did Oswald Chambers, who at the end of his tenure, it was cut short because after two years in Egypt, teaching now thousands, that for those two years he taught, and he got bad sick one day, and it got worse, and within a week, his side hurt so bad he had no idea what it was, and eventually found out it was an appendix, an appendix burst, and ended up dying in Egypt. And they buried him in, an, in a cemetery in Egypt, and you can go there to this day. I've never had the chance to do so, but I've had people that have gone there and found the grave site and a, and a marker, Oswald Chambers. Now, you might know Oswald Chambers' name because his wife, for those two years, and the years at that little Bible Institute in London, she used to be uh, taking shorthand. Now her husband's dead, buried in Egypt. She goes back to London with her daughter, starts looking at all these notes of her husband and thought, you know what, I'm going to put these together in a little devotional book. And a phrase that he used to like to use that she noticed in her writing was, my utmost for his highest. I'm going to do my utmost, my very best, 
for his highest. Because having a fear of God drives you that way. Do you have that? Do you have that fear of God? Say, so God, I'm going to do my utmost for his highest. And Oswald Chambers never had any idea that all that, all those things that he said, his wife put into writing, and that is the number one devotional book out there. Well, thank you for listening this week to Harvest Time here on KHMG 88.1 FM, Harvest Family Radio. We'd love to have you join us this weekend at Harvest Baptist Church for services beginning at 9.30 a.m. We have children's programs and adult Bible fellowships at that time. Then at 10.30 a.m. Sunday morning, we have our regular morning worship service. Again, we'd invite you this weekend to Harvest Baptist Church. Thanks for listening today.